Welcome to Adventures in Becoming You, where we will discuss anything and everything. Everyone has a unique story to tell. We want to focus on people and their unique and amazing stories. We want to hear their stories of how they became who they are right now, as well as where their next chapter in their adventure will lead them. We will also be discussing current hot topics, our passions, our love lives, relationships, and everything in between. Plus, 10 unique rapid-fire questions we will ask each and every guest. Today's guest is Imari Janine, and this is what she'd like you to know about herself. She is 25 years old and identifies as a black woman. She was born in Garanda Hills, California, and raised throughout Southern Utah and Southern California. Throughout her life, she's had the wonderful privilege to meet with and talk to people from all walks of life. She says she's not perfect and doesn't have everything figured out, but if I don't try daily, then what was I put here for? That is all I'm trying to figure out. Welcome to the show, Amari Janine. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you guys how I met Amari Janine. So, I'm going through Dutch Brothers one day, and beautiful Amari is there outside taking orders. And I noticed her tattoo behind her ear. So I struck up this beautiful conversation with this woman and instantly told her I wanted her to be on my podcast because of the story she told me. So then I set up a lunch date so I could get to know her better and have her over. Because I think before you have a guest on, you should have a conversation with them and get to know each other so you're comfortable. So she came over and we had some very wonderful conversations about many different things. I want Amari Janine to tell us the story about what happened to her when she was 12 years old and the reason behind the tattoo above her ear. All right. So I have a ladybug tattoo on my right side behind my ear and the date is 4507 and that's April 5th of 2007. My family and I, there were six of us, uh, we were all in a rollover car accident, but we all survived. And so, um, there is a very long detailed story that I tell, um, but the story that <laughs> Lori probably heard in the drive-thru was that I, uh, was in a rollover accident. We all survived. I'm still here. I'm still standing. And all of my family, um, got matching tattoos. So my mom, my sister, and I all have a ladybug with a date on it in some form on our body. And my brother at the time was 12, so he hasn't yet to get the matching family tattoo. Tell him how serious it was for you and your brother. So um, I was asleep in the back passenger seat. Uh, I was the only one wearing a seatbelt at the time. Um and our left rear tire popped. We were in a Range Rover, like a green Range Rover. And our left rear tire popped and it hit on the right side where I was sleeping automatically. Like the tire popped, the car turned, my side got hit and I was knocked out. Um, it then proceeded to flip four times and every time it would do a 360 rotation and hit back on the same side. Um, and then it finally landed upside down and in all of the chaos and throwing of the car, um, uh, my little brother got thrown out of the car and broke his femur and got a skull fracture. And then I was stuck to this now death trap, 
Um, but it saved my life wearing a seatbelt. So to this day, I still wear a seatbelt. I don't like, I didn't flip. It didn't change my perspective of like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this car upside down now. Um, fighting for my life. It was like, oh, I probably would have died if I didn't have this seatbelt on. So I'm definitely like, even if it's down the street, I forget sometimes when I'm like, put on my seatbelt. Um, uh, so I thankfully don't know how there was two like, um, military personnel in a couple cars behind us that like witnessed the whole thing. And they like pulled over, stopped, helped my family. They helped get me out of the car. They put like pads on my face to stop the bleeding. Um, and they were just like with me during that whole process because, um, I had head trauma, face trauma, everything. And my brother and I actually got life lighted to the nearest hospital, which was Loma Linda. And I just remember the whole time just telling everyone that I was tired. I was just so tired. I didn't like, everyone's like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like asking me questions. And I was just like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired in the helicopter. I'm tired. Got to the hospital. I'm tired. Uh, finally got into the room that I was in and spoke with my doctor and he was like how are you doing and I was like I'm tired and as soon as they like hooked me up to everything I don't visually remember seeing anything because my face was so swollen but I just remember like I'm tired and then he told me you could go to sleep and I was like okay <laughs> and then I just remember waking up a day a couple days later not quite sure um and then my first like initial thought was like oh I want to see myself and so I there was a nurse there and then my mom was there and I got up from the bed and like walked to the bathroom and my only thought was like whoa <laughs> like I was what I was 12 at the time I think I said my brother was 12 I was 12 at the time my brother was younger and I just I was like who is that didn't recognize me and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go lay back down. <laughs> like, cool. I remember when you were originally telling me the story and we were having lunch. Tell them about taking out. Didn't you have dreads in? Oh, yeah. Tell them what you found when you took out your dreads. Yeah. So at the time, I had, like, dreads down to my shoulder. But for the car accident, they were up in a ponytail. And uh, waking up after, um, so I had went to the bathroom, seen myself, got back to the bed. And then they were like, okay, like let's take your hair down and see if anything happened and I remember them like cutting the hairband and then just like rubble like dirt just falling and there is like a two inch scar on my head two to three inch scar on my head and there was like a chunk of tire just there embedded in got through the dreads don't know how I don't know <laughs> which I can't believe like probably doing a CT scan and everything else that they didn't see a chunk of tire in her hair you know dreads are like these little like individual almost like braids um but like all of them piled up they may have and then been like okay well we'll ask her when she's up or like wake her up but i don't know like i'm i'm assuming like tangled all up in that like if you could see my hair right now i i wouldn't be able to decipher a piece of tire <laughs> in it you know so i mean i'm not it, it was just, it's weird. I had, I ended up with like 22 stitches and like 11 staples just to like close that. So it was, 
chunk of Did you have synthetic heads or was it like your no. actual hair was no it was my hair like i had grown um since i was in like what is it, like third grade i started i remember the whole like it's a journey to grow trends <laughs> and the patience you have to have for it um they were it was my hair i was so proud i was like yes they're to my shoulder now like i can put them up like i that's the only reason i've only ever wanted long hairs because i love like ponytail like bun size so i just remember like yes this is my hair it's all mine i can put it up and so um when they found when they saw the chunk of tire they were like okay that's a big one let's see if we can find any smaller like cuts or anything and so i had to shave my head in the in the like room and i was like See, that's what I was wondering, because you can't just, like, remove, right. like, exactly. actual hair dreads. Like, they're yeah, in there. Yeah, so it like, was, uh, my stepdad did it. I remember he just, like, shaved it off, and he's like, we'll go get it, like, professionally cut later, but, like, we'll just do this for now. And I was like, ah. And so when they cut them off, I was like, they don't need to be professionally cut. Just make it all one size, like. Yeah, and since then, my hair journey is a whole nother thing. <laughs> so what do you think at 12 allowed you to be so resilient to go through such a traumatic event? Um, Honestly, I feel like I didn't have any other option. Like, the only alternative to that is, like, sulk and never come out of my room. <laughs> like, and, that, and that's just not me. Like, even now, I catch myself, like, I don't want to do anything or like I'm ha I'm like feeling bad. I'm like, okay, you can have like three hours, but like, you know, you're going to be bored. Like anything longer than that was like, why are you still mad? Like, why are you still sad? Why are you, you know, like, okay, it hurt your feelings. This is why it hurt your feelings. Now leave, you know, and like now do something else like to make yourself not sad in the moment. So like being 12 in, I had just moved to St. George, Utah. Um, so I moved out here in sixth grade and then that was like, I remember like beginning of seventh grade year and we took that trip up for Easter and then I was out of school for three months. I was like, ha. Huh. <laughs> well, I know you, you told me like the scar is from that accident. I mean, how did the kids treat you? I mean, that's like when you're going through those critical tween years in junior high. Absolutely. So how did they treat you? It, it was almost like, you know how when people um like you meet people and it's usually like the reflection that they have of themselves so for me it was like okay well if I act happy or like that it doesn't bother me or that I don't because I don't see my scar every day unless I'm looking in the mirror because it's on my face um so if I was just like if I didn't act like anything was there then they wouldn't act like anything was there so it was very like easy in that sense especially because tween years yes you have those people that are like mean and rude but everyone is like oh my gosh you're going to cry if I say anything. So I'm just not going to say it. And so that was very like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, I didn't want you to say it. <laughs> I think it's interesting, like, how your perspective changes from being a little kid to now, though. Because little kids will tease you about stuff like yeah. that. But now people who are like, have never had anything ever happen to them in their lives. I'm like, you're boring. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like, don't you wish you were bullied or something? <laughs> Don't Not you wish you had huge scars everywhere? Like, like something. Well, and I think I think a real like helpful thing for me then is because so before I had the car accident, when I was 10, so like two years prior, I had hip surgery. And so 
I have like little scars on my hips. And my mom always used to tell me like, don't be ashamed of your scars. Like they're just a story that you can tell people now. And I'm like, no one's ever gonna see my hips. Like, what a cool story to have that no one's gonna ask about, (laughs) you know? But like, then I got one on my face. So it's like, (laughs) ha, (laughs) no one's gonna ask about it. Here's one on your face for forever. Cause like my mom has this like, giant scar on her arm from when she was younger and they were playing um like tag in their kitchen and her arm went through the window and she her mom was out of town not out of town but at work so her mom my grandma was at work and she like didn't want to tell her because she was like i just broke the window instead of like i have this giant gash on my arm (laughs) yeah it was like instead of that it was like i broke the window she's gonna be so mad instead of like I'm bleeding out. Please help me. Yeah, I'm on know? like a major artery <laughs> right in my exactly. body. Exactly. So I think growing up with like that of like, don't be ashamed of your scars. They're just stories that you can tell and like remember are, was like super cool. It was like, it very quickly turned into like, oh, here's another person that wants to know because it was so prominent, like on my face, you know? And so I've never been like, how dare you ask me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I didn't even notice your scar. It was it was the ladybug tattoo, mm-hmm. and I was like fascinated by the tattoo. So like sitting there in my car, and I'm like, can you tell me about your tattoo? Yeah, no. And a lot of people they do say that they're like, oh, I didn't even notice you had a scar, and I'm like, cool, I didn't notice I had one either because I don't <laughs> see it, you know. And yeah. then they're like, oh wait, um, like even when I do like makeup, when I do put makeup on, I'm like. I'm not trying to hide it because I'm definitely not one that wears like foundation, concealer, and all this other stuff. One, it takes too much, costs too much. Two, I just don't have the patience to do it. I like to rub my face a lot. So I'm like, yeah. if I did whatever, I'm just going to deal with the pimples. <laughs> no, but on your TikToks, and we're going to talk about TikTok later. Yeah. You always have beautiful eye makeup. <laughs> I'm like, you catch me on a good day. <laughs> I feel that. Like one one time a week, I'm like, <laughs> I look good today. Right. <laughs> you had this accident. You moved to Utah at 12. And Southern Utah is predominantly white. What, as a black young tween, was your experience like moving somewhere that's like was 99.9% white? <laughs> so I get this question a lot, or not even this question. Like a lot of people assume that, like, that I'm not from here. And Granted, I'm not. I was born and sort of raised in California. But like we were saying, with the tween years, like, I feel like Utah, like, St. George is where I, like, found myself. Like, I learned I liked choir. I learned I liked, you know, all these things. And so, um, also, my mom's side is predominantly white besides my grandpa's side, you know. And so, growing up in St. George was like, oh, there's just more of you here. (laughs) You know? Because, like, I would, like, I knew I had, like, white cousins and, like, white great-grandparents and all this other stuff and my grandma and whatnot. Um, But in St. George, it was like, okay, there's me, there's my sister, there's my brother. Me and my sister went to the same school for, like, one year always. Like, she was in one grade above me. And then, like, she would leave to go to another school, and then I'd be in that school, and what we'd join that way. But always there was, like, six other black kids, and, like, three of them were adopted. <laughs> like, it was just a thing. It was just, like, you know? Like, um, so growing up here was, like, oh, okay, well, 
I can have cool friends that are also white and you can also, you know, and then it wasn't until like, I would say like seventh grade, I got my first question of like, can I say the N word around you? And I was like, if you have to ask, probably not. <laughs> like, yeah. like, why would that? But also, like, why do you want to say it? You know, like, why is it like a, is it okay if I say this around you? Like, why? <laughs> I hated that I had a teacher in school that when we read books, they made us say it. And I was like, you really gonna make me do this right now? Like, yeah, I'm very uncomfortable right. in like, this situation. Can I just, like, she made us say all the swear words. So it wasn't just that. But I still was like, you know, I don't really want there to be a record of me saying this. Like, right, like. It's kind of it's kind of off putting, especially if you don't. Well, well, one, <laughs> I would rather you ask than just feel comfortable to say it and then like wait for my reaction. Like, oh, I said it. <laughs> you know, I kind of like, you know like I'm gonna do it and then ask for forgiveness later. Right, exactly. Like that's that's also not okay. Like just like I get it if you because I also have some friends that are like I never say that around you. I'm like, so you say it, <laughs> but you just don't say it around me, which is like, thanks. Like, I feel the respect, but also don't just go around playing a song so you can say it by yourself in your car. You know, it's all like a it's it's a respect, but also I understand how it can slip out sometimes. <laughs> See, it always surprises me that I know people here that say like, well, I have certain black friends that let me say it. And I'm like, that doesn't like mean that like everybody exactly. is okay with it, especially because it's like. If I tell a friend, like, you can call me this stupid nickname because it's an inside joke, that doesn't mean, like, some random guy on the side of the road can call me that. Right. And it's just, I don't get But also, it. like, that line is, like, it is teeterable, but it's also, it comes just from respect. Like, I have a friend who, like, when we first met, he did feel comfortable saying it because he had a friend that allowed him to say it. And then I was like, I let him say it a couple times. And I was like, yo, <laughs> like, you got to stop. And so now he just, he doesn't use it anymore. Like, period. It's not like, oh, well, one person let me say it. So I'm going to switch up who I am around this person to say it and now retreat back. It's just like, I understand why majority of the like population is not allowed to say it. So I'm just not going to say it out of respect for those people, you know? Yeah. Instead of like, well, I have one friend that allows me to say it, so I'm just going to hang out with them so I can feel free to say it. Like, Well, it's also okay. difficult to be like, oh, who am I hanging out with today? Right. You're what like, words can I use around them? Hmm. Exactly. I'm like, put one hat on. Just be you. Just yeah. all the time. Be consistent. Exactly. Be authentic and be yourself and be consistent. Yeah. Show up. Exactly. The same for everybody. So they can't go around saying, well, you know what? You treat me this way, and I treat you that way. I'm like, no, just treat me. Well, it's also just a word. Like, if yeah. somebody tells you, like, that word hurts my feelings, like, it shouldn't be that big of a deal oh to just gosh. cut it out of your vocabulary. Right. I'm like, you don't walk around calling your mom a B word mm -hmm. every time you see her. And if you do, then, like, cool, that's your relationship. But, like, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know? Like, there's a point where it's, like, if you're going to say it and someone else is okay with you saying that, cool. But, like... Just don't say it around me now that we've established that I don't like it, you know? Yeah. Period. <laughs> okay, so my next question is, like, growing up here, did you feel seen and valued and protected safe here? Um, I personally did because I was very, like, there's nothing wrong with me. There's no differences. Like, yeah. I'm a 12-year-old in St. George just like you're a 12-year-old in St. George, you know? But 
it was also cool, like, <laughs> cool. Um, so my stepdad is Nigerian. He's, like, from Nigeria, was the oldest of his siblings, was the only one that got to come to America and, like, start a life, you know? And his perspective of us being in St. George was, like, you're black, cash in on all these opportunities. And I'm, like, but this person's white and they got the same talent as I do, you know? <laughs> like, it was very, like, my mom was, like, do you be a good person, show yourself, show up, and, like, you'll get things. And my stepdad was, like, you're black, use it. Like, <laughs> like you know. use what you got to your advantage. Right. Yeah. And which I don't like discredit him for. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to pull this card, but like, <laughs> why? You know, like, it's always the like, why not me? And then you're like, it has to be because I'm black. Like, no, like, they just fit the group that they like, they fit the like vision that they had for said project you know it was it wasn't it wasn't because i was black it was just because this person matched well with this other person you know and so i had to like remind myself of that and also try not to use the black card like as it's so tricky because like it's so easy to be like you're racist like no you just didn't do good (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah well also you can be talented for like for any other reason exactly so it was like so i remember i went to dixie um like middle school and high school growing up um and i was talented like singing dancing performing and whatnot and so one of the things my stepdad was like you should audition for tuacon like you'll get in you're black i'm like i'll get in because i'm talented i also happen to be black (laughs) you know like and then at that point I was like I don't want to go to Tuacon anyways if that's the only reason I'm getting in you know like Mm -hmm. if it was like oh cool I wanted to go audition I auditioned I got in without that like prior knowledge of like hey you have a better chance because you're black Mm -hmm. then it would have been like okay cool but I that it wasn't like in my mind because I was already doing things at the schools that I was in. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was because I was black. You know, like it was it it was never like, oh, we picked this musical because we have a black cast member. It was like, we're doing this, you everyone auditions for this, and if you're good, you get the part, you know? Yeah. My mom and I were talking about that earlier, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I think it's totally okay to like almost give people a leg up if they are the minority because we were talking about how like in nursing school if I was equally as qualified as a man like I would be okay in that situation if he got in instead of me because there's a shortage of male nurses Mm -hmm. and like there's always going to be at least one or two people at a hospital they're like "Mm, I want a male nurse I don't feel comfortable and the same reason why like I'd be okay if like somebody who was black or Asian or any other race besides white got in over me because there was a shortage, I'd be like, yeah, you know, like right. there's a bigger need for that than there is for me. Like I'm the current demographic of a nurse. Like right. they don't yeah. need another one of me. So you know, I'd be fine with that. I, but I know some people might disagree. I don't mean, like when you're in the hospital, yeah, it's kind of nice to see somebody looks like you. Like I just went through the year of hell and sometime I'll tell about it. But I did not want a 22 to 25 year old tech taking care of my lady parts because I had guys. <laughs> that's like can you go find a female nurse? Yeah. Please. And then everybody that was like my age, there were no nurses my age. And my mom's like, 
By the time they get to the year age, honey, they're all wore out. They don't want to be working at the hospital anymore. Because they start at 22. So, no. like, my, my average age of my nurse is probably 30, and the techs are, like, you know, 18 to 25 and all in nursing school. But, yeah, I wanted somebody to look at me. No, I don't want a guy looking at my lady parts. Please <laughs> go find me a lady to look at my lady parts. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people should, like, overuse that card. But, like, I definitely think there's a place for it. Yeah. So no, I definitely I agree. I because in the sense of like, they're both equally qualified. Let's find someone that like maybe isn't as, um, what's the word, uh, represented. There we go. Um, because in that sense, it is like I want someone that like is similar. Because if there's and even when it, if we circle around to the nursing and just like health and biology, um, viewpoint. Like, there are predispositions to different ethnicities, and I would feel more comfortable if, like, I spoke with a black nurse or black doctor that has researched black history to let me know, like, hey, you're more predisposed to X, Y, and Z versus maybe a well-educated white doctor that, like, also knows because they've done their research, but, like, initial instinct, I'd be like, oh, cool, You, you taught yourself, you're educated, but if they offered it through a black nurse or a black doctor, I would be more calm. Not saying I'm more that receptive I wouldn't, to it. Exactly, exactly. Not saying that I wouldn't eventually develop that with other nurse or doctor, but like initially, like I remember I'm gonna jump forward really quickly. One of my college like seminars that we had was um it was like a big group of leaders and the dean of students was like who thinks stereotypes are real? And I was like, and it was like one of those, like, close your eyes, raise your hand, and then open your eyes, see who agrees with you. And it was like, there was like 40 plus of us in there. And I like shot my hand up and I was like, me? And everybody's like, how can you believe in stereotypes? I'm like, everyone believes in stereotypes. That's why they exist. But just because I see, so like, if I was in the jungle and a lion came up to me, I wouldn't be like, oh, this is just some regular cat. I'd be like, that's a lion, X, Y, Z. The stereotype of a lion is predator, protects their young, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Yes, I would tiptoe my way around until I saw if it was like, okay with me being there. Or if it was like, no, I'm going to eat you. You know, like stereotypes exist for a reason. They are like survival instincts almost because driving around town Yes, I don't think that every Trump supporter wants to kill me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't believe that. But if I see a Trump train, and there's a lot of them in St. George right now, I'm going to avoid and take, like, back routes and maybe not get stuck in one, you know? Because then it's the, like, perception of, like, oh, are you stuck in one because you support? Or are you stuck in one? And if you say anything, <laughs> something's going to happen, you know? So I'm like, stereotypes are needed. Now it's what you do with those after you've discovered that it's just a stereotype that matters so talking about the trump train in politics i mean do you feel more threatened by the trump train or would you be more scared of being pulled over by a police officer in st george Oof. um initial response i feel like i would be more scared being pulled over because the trump train can just drive past <laughs> the, the cop i'm like what did i do it's and I think that's, I think it's everyone that gets pulled over. They're like, oh crap. Unless you know, like you were speeding, you threw something out the window, you blah, blah, blah. Like some reason as to why you're like, 
I hope I'm not going to get caught, but I just did. Other than that, I feel like being pulled over to me is like terrifying. Like I remember the last time I got pulled over was actually a couple months ago because my like headlight was out or something like that. It was like very dim. And I, listen, I had told myself to go get it fixed, but I'm like, if I just drive during the day, I won't need to use my headlight. (laughs) And then that time it just happened to be at night. And I was actually with one of my white friends and we got pulled over. I literally was like down the street from my house and I she was like, are you okay? I just was shaking. Like, I didn't know what I was like, uh, find the, the paperwork that I'm supposed to have. Like, I couldn't even name it. I was just like, look for it. I'm going to sit here. <laughs> you know, like had her do all of the work of like, this is what you need. This is where it is. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And I was just kind of like, like, keep your hands just on the steering wheel. I, they were, and then a lot of black people, like in other places, like, they don't take their hands off the steering wheel for fear of getting shot. My initial response wasn't like grab the wheel. It was just like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I was looking the whole time in the the like rear view mirror and like my side view mirror of like, okay, he's approaching the car. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now he's at the car. I'm like, okay, now turn your head. I'm like, my hands are still shaking this whole time. And I'm like, uh, and he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. <laughs> why would i know and he's like oh you have a headlight out or something like that and i was like okay and he's like do you have x y and z papers and i'm like looking at my friend like did you find them (laughs) i'm like here's my id here's the papers like shaking the whole time and then he like walks back he's like okay i'll go do all this and the whole time i'm like what is he looking up? What is he going to do? What did, you know, there was like so many questions like going through my mind and she's trying to like calm me down. Like, it's okay. Like you're fine. And I'm like, no, but like, what if he finds something? What if there's something that I don't know about? There has to be something like someone like planted some information on my, like, like I literally like, those were the thoughts that I was having. I was like, why am I pulled over just for a light? Like, you know, I was like, it can't just be the light, you know? But then I'm like, okay, if it is just the light, then he'll just come back with a citation, go fix the light, and you're good. Like, it's okay. But the whole time I was like, my heart is in my butthole right now. (laughs) Well, it makes me sad because cops definitely, in my opinion, stereotype, even in St. George, because I've been pulled over twice. Mm -hmm. And the first time I like, wait like my purse was in the very back of my car i was like i'm not gonna be able to reach that like in time so i waited till he got there and then i was like oh my id's in my purse in my the back of my car and he was like okay grab it and i was like i'm trying to tell you that i'm grabbing my license i'm not not trying to pull a fast one on you and he acted like i was being so weird and i was like dude so many people in the country are forced to act this way why are you acting like i'm being like why should it be any different for me and then the other time I got pulled over was for looking suspicious in like a neighborhood at night because it was like 1 a.m. and I have a dark car and I have California license plates and I like roll down the window. He like leans in and he just laughs and he's like, he's like, Sorry. you're good to go. Yeah, like he looked ah! at me. Oh my god! He gosh. literally like, um, immediately looked at me. So I was a white young female and his only question was, oh, are you out past curfew? And I was like, no, I'm over 18. I can show you my ID. And he's like, oh, no problem. And then just left. Oh and that bothers I me wish. so much that like if he, had, me yeah, if he had seen like what if i had been like a, a young black man would he right. have then been like i need to search your car yeah like why like if you're literally just pulling me over and profiling me like it couldn't have been more obvious that he just was like oh whatever you're yeah. a young little girl you're not gonna do anything and i'm well, like hey i can have drugs in my car you don't you know could have you exactly. don't know me well like okay so with all the like the summer you know the black lives matter thing mm-hmm. like i have seen 
like Hispanic women pulled over by two cops before and this lady sitting there crying. And I thought, do I pull over and go sit with her? Right. Like I, I'm like so worried about people of other colors right now being harassed by the police or treating poorly. And somebody said to me, you would really do that. And I thought, if I was a person of color and there's two police officers and somebody sees me sitting there devastated crying, I would hope that somebody would pull over and say, is there something I can do to help? Can I just sit with her or him just to make sure they're being treated fairly? And I wish now looking back that I had stopped and done that for that lady because it still bugs me in my mind that she was pulled over. She's Hispanic and sitting there crying on the side of the road on the sidewalk while these guys are going through her car or doing whatever. Well, it's also possible because of, like, the language barrier. It's possible that she didn't know English. Mm -hmm. Or it's also possible not just, like, with race that, like, you could have a young, educated, like, uneducated person that doesn't realize their rights and then they're just sitting there, like, having things step in almost and just, like, kind of be there. I often think that, too. However, I'm like... But what if they did do something wrong? Not because she's a Hispanic female or because she's this or this. I'm like, what if they actually did commit a crime and the cops are doing their job? That's where the whole like black lives, blue lives matter. Like is like, okay, not every. Like, I get why people are like blue lives matter. I'm like, okay, but yeah, the same conviction you have about blue lives mattering. That's why these people are like black lives matter, because you see the good side and they see the good side of black people you know like that's why we're having this thing and this is a very like kids movie literally zootopia i was watching it the other day and so um (laughs) this fox walks into this elephant ice cream shop and he's with this little baby fox and they're like i want a big jumbo pop and the elephant's like i'm not gonna serve you like get out of line like what the heck and they're like, I just want a big wall, like a big popsicle. And he's like, no, makes a big thing. So then the little bunny cop comes in, only sees one side of what's happening, right? And she's like, um, why can't he have a big popsicle? Like, I, I think you should just sell him a popsicle because, and she like points out all his like health code violations. And it's like, you can give him the popsicle or I'll report you to the, like, you know? And so they end up getting the um, popsicle. And then she's like, Carrying on her day, she feels so good. She's like, I stepped in, I helped. You know, like this person was getting like discriminated against, I helped him, you know? And so she carries on with her day and then he walks off uh, with the guy and she's like going around town and she sees the van that the guy drove off in and she sees them up on the roof and he's melting the popsicle to create all these baby popsicles that he's then selling to these hamsters for two bucks a pop when he paid 15 he didn't even pay for it she paid for it because he forgot his wallet so she paid 15 dollars for this giant popsicle and now he's flipped it and made 200 dollars selling them to little gerbils i'm like is she wrong for stepping in or like she felt good for standing up for what she thought was right you know i just wanted to stop like just to make sure nothing bad yeah. happened after seeing George Floyd murdered. Yeah. It's just like, I don't think any of our St. George police officers would do that. But it's almost like, should I stop so that there's a witness so perhaps things don't go south right. that far? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's like to help me sleep. Because even now you're like, I wish I would have stopped. I wish I would have stopped. And it could have affected or not affected. But like just knowing that like you had that choice of like, I should stop, I should stop, I should stop. And then you didn't listen to yourself, I think is the hardest part of life. You beat yourself up for not doing it. Exactly. So. Yeah. And it is possible they did commit a crime, but 
you still deserve the right to right. be treated like a human exactly. and to have exactly. a trial. So I just kind of wanted to go be her advocate. No, yeah. And I definitely, I definitely get that. Cause like it, it would help having my friend there the last time that I was pulled over was definitely like, I was shook, but I was still like calmer that she was there. Was I calmer that she was white? Absolutely. Because if it was me and my little 19 year old brother who's six, three and like crazy hair. Cause that's the style nowadays. I'd have been like, Oh, we're both going to jail. They're going to find something about you. You know, like, it was, you know? And so in that sense, I'm like, thank you for being here. But also like, ah, it's like, it's, I almost feel like stop, but don't intervene with the cops. Yeah. Like, just ask the woman, like, do you need anything? And then she's like, I'm fine. Then leave. There you or go. Or if she's like, no, I'd like you to wait with me. You just wait to the side with them. Yeah. You don't intervene Absolutely. with what the cops are doing exactly. unless they start to do something bad. Right. So if you start, like, if you have, like, an urge, something's telling you, like, go help that person or just check in, you know, like, hey, are you okay? If they tell you they're okay, cool. Awesome. Like. You did your part. Or like, I could have just stopped on the side of the road and just watched the situation. Yeah. This is where we're going to end this first episode of this two-part series with Amari H. Janine. Look for the second episode of this series to drop next week. I'd like to thank Amari for taking the time to be here today and for being so open and honest with all of us about her journey in life so far. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. I hope you learned a little and grew a little today with us. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tap the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Remember to choose to be kind always to everyone and have a beautiful day.